0: This is Jordan Beal. Welcome to the Rock of Grace podcast from our Kinsman campus. We are passionate about leading people to follow Jesus together, and we're so glad that you're opening the Word of God with us today. I pray God speaks to your heart. Jeff's joy with the Father went to another level that day. And so I want to invite you into that joy. I want to invite you into trusting God in that way. There's so many Believers who are missing out on the miraculous experiences with the Father because they're not yet ready. They're not yet willing to, to trust him with their tithe. And I'm telling you, you can trust him with your tithe. It's a, it sounds like cliche, but you can't outgive God. You cannot. It's cliche because it's true. That's why most cliches are cliches because <laughs> they're a true statement. God will always bless you. We had a crazy experience again just two months ago we given an amount, and exactly, exactly double the amount was given back to us the, the next week. It was insane. And this has happened over and over and over. You can never outgive God. Turn to your, your wife, your neighbor, random person you've never met, say, you can never outgive God. You just can't. I want to invite the ushers to come forward, and that's just such a powerful testimony. Jeff, I appreciate you sharing that. That's awesome. Well, God, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity to give. God, it really is an offering to you, an offering of worship. And we pray that it pleases your heart. We pray that it brings you joy, just like we just heard in Jeff's life. God, that to us, even if it's just a small amount on a check or a debit card or whatever it is, we know to you, you're going to put it on the wall, nail it to the wall of your workshop, because it brings you such joy. Thank you for what we have with you in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Well, we are talking about teaching us to pray and uh, what the Bible says when when Jesus teaches us to pray. And then quick disclaimer, I'm all about giving honor to where honor is due. And Pastor Andrew and I wrote this sermon together. So the first third of this, you're going to hear some of his uh, content, uh, I've learned it's been a lot, really beautiful to co-write together because I saw that in songwriting, the best songs came out of s- co-writing, so tried to apply that to, to sermons. So I want to recap uh, a couple things from last week, and before we do, I want to let you know again, this is part three, so Jesus is teaching us, right, our Father, they said, how do we pray? Jesus replies, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, that's what we talked about this first two weeks. And then give us our, day, our daily bread. So everybody say this with me. Our daily bread. And months ago, when we put this sermon series down, that, those three little words jumped off the page. You guys, don't you love when you're reading the Bible and the Holy Spirit's like, that word? That's what I want to teach you today. And when I saw our daily bread, I instantly I just saw manna falling from heaven in the Old Testament, I thought about Jesus saying, "I am the living bread," and that's what we're going to talk about today that Jesus does not accidentally just throw out words. Jesus is intentional, don't you know that? is intentional with what He says. So what are we talking about so far? Let's do a quick recap. The Lord's Prayer, it's, it's a template, it's not a ritual. Right? It's not a rabbit's foot if you say this three times on Thursdays aiming east. No, it is not a template. It's, it's a template, not a ritual. When we pray, we pray from a position of promise. We're going to talk about that a lot today. Not problems. We are citizens of heaven. How many of you guys were here last week when we talked about that? We are citizens of heaven. Not uh, an earthly kingdom built on earthly possessions, So our mission, then, is to expand God's kingdom. And we talked about this a lot last week, that that comes through kindness and praying for the sick. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit at the beginning of the sermon, even though we talked about a lot last week, because I know it's something God wants us to grow. God wants us to challenge us as a body of believers in that area. Right? All right, so what is prayer? We learned, then, that that what prayer—I'm sorry, what God wants— And we surrender our will to his. In prayer, our spirit man, you can go to those next slides if you don't mind. Our spirit man is satisfied. Right? Yeah, go to the next one after that. There we go. Stop right there for a moment. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So everybody put your hand, actually put it on your gut right here. Come on, that's where joy and righteousness and peace, right? Right here in your spirit, man. So it's not a matter of things on the outside of the world, but it's a matter of what God wants to do in here. You see, in prayer, we learn that God, we learn what God wants. We surrender to that. Our spirit man is satisfied in prayer. And I'm gonna use this word satisfied a lot today on purpose because Jesus said our daily prayer Bread. How many of you, let me just ask a question. If you had to go a month without bread, without food, you would notice. How many of you guys are already like you're on a no bread, what is that, keto, something? I'll pray for you. I don't know what your problem is. You know, I'm on an all red meat diet. No, just kidding. Uh, any, any carnivores out there? Who, who, who's the carnivore type? All right. How many weirdos like salad? <laughs> like you go to the store, like, I'll pay $12 for some leaves. Anybody weirdo? Yeah. Pff, dumb. I just, I'm not calling you dumb. I'm just saying the decision is dumb. All right, AJ, we'll talk later. I love you, buddy, but that decision needs to change. So yeah, no, don't, don't be paying for a salad. That's what my wife does. I'm like, I'll just have a salad. I'm like, why are you doing that? All right, get a steak. Daily bread. You have to have bread. You have to have food and water to live. And what Jesus is teaching here is that you have to have him to live. You have to have Jesus to be satisfied. And what so many people don't realize is they go about their day and their life and their weeks and they try to fill a void. They try to be satisfied in other things. But I have news for you. You cannot be satisfied in those other things. I've talked to numerous people who get the job, they get the promotion that they've been striving for. They were working all the extra hours to get it. They get it. And then suddenly I've still had these conversations. Pastor, I don't know what happened, but that joy faded, right? And I can see a lot of heads nod. A week later, I had the same pit in my stomach that something was missing. Ask people who win the lottery. Millions of dollars. You think all their problems go away? No, all their problems just got tripled. In business, there's this phrase called preferred outcomes. A preferred outcome, it's the best scenario that could come when everything works the way it's supposed to, right? So imagine your, your business, you create an engine, you know, and, and all the parts are working together, and the customer likes it, and they're not getting in a wreck. Company said not getting in a wreck is <laughs> a good idea. It's the preferred outcome, the car's working right. So what is the preferred outcome of the kingdom of God? Matthew 6, he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What he's saying is that when we pray, we get our hearts in alignment with God's heart. Come on, ever say alignment. How many of you guys spent, have ever spent some time in prayer and then you realize the things that were bothersome to you are no longer bothersome to you? The longer you spend time in prayer, you start to realize, man, you start to get God's heart. And when you first start out, you will come at it with a problem reactionary system. That's how most people, including Christians, treat prayer. But that is not the intent of prayer. Most of us, most people, treat prayer as a problem reactionary system. So, right, I have a problem. Come on, be honest with me. You get to the end of your day, maybe you're 3 o'clock, and you're in some planning or marketing meeting at work, and it's like, oh, I got a problem. Man, I got a problem. Oh, Let me talk to God about it. Yeah, now that's awesome. So I'm not discounting that. We talked about that last week. Pray, God will give you some insight, I promise you. But is that the only time God wants you to pray? No, but that is most the time that Christians pray. Right? Days are going fine, then all of a sudden, man, marriage is getting bad, my marriage is getting bad, my marriage is getting bad. God, help me with my marriage, I have a problem. But prayer is not meant to be begun from problems prayer begins from promise our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven i know you have promised the things that are that's like on in heaven you're going to do that from earth paul preaching in ephesians he's writing in ephesians Right there in the middle of the book, we talked about this last week, he's predicated his prayer on promise according to all that God can do, according to his glorious riches. My God can do more than we can ask, ever ask, think, or imagine. So he's coming from a place of promise. Let me illustrate this to you. A lot of times we live with a scarcity mindset. When we were going through foster care training two and a half, three years ago, you have to take 48 hours and then ongoing hours of education. One of the things we learned is often, like very often, when a child leaves their home, they go to a new home. They have a scarcity mindset and they will hoard food. Okay? And all the foster parents, are, no, you're not along. You know what I'm talking about. You've heard this. or Maybe you've even seen this. Because they've got used to f- being independent, maybe living for themselves, you know, fending for themselves, they will hoard that granola bar or that loaf of bread in their bedroom. Even though, even though foster parents say, This entire pantry you have access to. Come on, hear me. This fridge is yours. But they will hoard, and this will go on for weeks and months and months. Hear me. They'll hoard until they realize how loved they are by mom and dad. Many Christians live like that. Many Christians pray like that. I don't even know if God can take care of my little problem. And I don't know if he's big enough. So I, this is the only thing I'm thinking about or concerned about. When they have access, the hall is right here down to the fridge in the entire pantry. You hear me yet, yeah. right? Think about it. My kids, we have too many popsicles and ice cream in our, in our freezer, all right? It's a problem. We create our own problem, actually. Now that I think about it, why don't we stop buying them? Anyway, we fill them. You know what my kids do all the time? They come and they get a popsicle, and then they offer it to all the neighbor kids. And they'll walk out with the like, sheaves of popsicles. I'm like, what are you doing? They're like, I got one for Leo, and one for Frankie, and one for me, and one for Eden. And one for Landon, I'm like, we're not feeding the neighborhood. This is not like feeding the 5,000. We're not trying to multiply these things, you know. But they get what they want, and then they get more for their friends. Do you know why? They know Dad's going to keep filling them. Come on, are you letting this sink into your system yet? But a lot of us pray with an orphan spirit. We pray with with an orphan mindset. I don't even know if God can handle this. God can handle it. God has all that you need. Turn to your neighbor say God has all that you need. Wow. Man, I hope you guys hear this because I was I was preaching myself happy writing this sermon. Olivia calls it Theology Theology Thursdays. I just start, I just stand up and I gotta go tell somebody. I'm like, Olivia, wait till you hear that this is the best part of the sermon right here. She's just like, okay, what? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, wait this part right here. If our people could just get that you are adopted by a loving father, hear me. That has everything that you need and plenty for your friends. Come on, let this sink in. How many of you guys, your prayer life would start to change if you realize God has not only enough solutions for you, but for your neighbor? Amen? Wow. That's a good word, Jordan. High five. Amen. Preach, brother. Preach. Just preach to myself. Y'all aren't going to amen. I amen myself. 1 Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. We talked about this last week, but again, I want to open today's sermon with this. Yes, it's about kindness. It's about generosity. It's about compassion. Absolutely. But the word also says it's about power. It's something that should be not just discussed about, but experienced. Right? You see, there's a difference in going to a Bible study and saying, I I, I agree and I believe that Jesus can heal. Yes, man, that's such a powerful, you you, you encourage your life group leader. Oh, man, thank you for for saying that. Thank you for reading that verse, you know, Pastor Jordan talked about today or in this book that we're reading. I, I agree with that. And here's a girl over in the corner with her arm in a sling. And come on, can I make it real? And then for the next 30 minutes, we say, I believe Jesus can heal. Yes, Jesus is our healer. Jehovah Rapha. And you even turn out some Maverick City. you are enough. Right? You get your praise on and then you get some chips and dip. <laughs> and nobody <laughs> prays for the girl with the broken arm. Come on, can I talk to you? Jesus can heal. Jesus can heal. Come on, everybody stand up and let's say it. We gotta get, we gotta settle this in our spirit out loud. Say it with me. Jesus can heal. One more time. Jesus can heal. All right, now you got it. I got the blood going. Sit down. It's not a matter of talk. And us Christians, especially evangelicals, we're really good at talking. But I don't know about you, but I want to see the power of God on display. I want to see it on display. I have seen it on display, and I want to keep seeing it on display. And it doesn't just happen through a pastor or through a board member or through a life group leader. It happens through you. Everybody put your hand on your chest and say, through me. Now, I want you to remember, just a quick side note. This won't be on the screen, but I want you to hear this. I added this this morning to the sermon as I was reviewing it. It's important, important, important. This is what the rest of the sermon's about is that you love Jesus more than the miracles. This is very important. I subscribe to a, a newsletter from churchleaders.com, an email, I should say, as a pastor. Great articles, ton of great articles on there. And, you know, a month doesn't go by where you don't see a, a story of another moral failure, and it breaks my heart every time. Another prominent pastor or, or minister, and I always ask myself, and that was one of the, the um, motivators even for writing the process of a leaders about character, but I always ask myself when I see that, why does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. Because I believe, and if you're a minister listening to this, I know we have a lot of people listening to our podcasts. I want you to hear me. If you're a ministry leader, this happens because they begin to focus too much on the ministry to others and the power therein more than their private ministry to Jesus. You see, public ministry to others should always be predicated by private ministry to Jesus. Let me say it again. Public ministry to others. Life group leaders, hear me. Must be sourced by private ministry to Jesus. Just you and Jesus. This is why when, Jesus, when, when Mary washes the feet of Jesus and Martha is serving everybody, but Mary is serving Jesus, and Martha gets mad. And Martha says, why won't she help me? Jesus, do something. Put my sister in her place. And Jesus says, leave her alone. She's got it right. Martha's like, what? You know, what? And he says, right, I'm not going to take this away from her, this friendship that we're sharing right now? Guys, this is true for all of us. Your relationship with Jesus can sustain you, and it is the only thing that will sustain you. Hear me. Your relationship with Jesus. If I could summarize the whole sermon today like this, listen to this. Jesus can be your daily bread that brings you total satisfaction and joy. No matter what the bank account, no matter what degrees on the wall, no matter what's going on in life, only Jesus can satisfy you. Only Jesus. I love how Graham Cook calls this idea of being found in Jesus, hidden in Jesus. He calls it genius. He said it was just pure genius of the Father to put you in Christ. Scripture says you are hidden in Christ. That was a perfect spot for an amen, so I'm going to try this side. Scripture says you are hidden in Christ. See, they got it. I don't know what's wrong with y'all. You are hidden in Christ. Scripture says that we're seated in heavenly places. How many were here last week when I said that, when we read that, right? We're seated in heavenly places. You're hidden in Christ. So when God the Father now looks at you, he sees Jesus. Why do you think he's so happy? He's ecstatic when he sees you, he sees Jesus. Paul said it like this It's no longer I who lives, it's Christ. How many of you guys realize you are a different person today than you were years ago before Christ? That's right. Now, Jesus has become your daily bread, the one thing you need most. And hear me. I need you to hear this. It is tempting. Please hear me. Because of what we talked about two weeks ago, right, that Satan is the prince of the air. How many of you guys were here two weeks ago? We, we described who Satan is as an intruder, as an imposter, as a thief, a murderer. He's the prince of the air. So he's going to try to convince you that even if you start out and you give your life to Christ in grace, you accept the grace of God, in time, he's still the prince of the year. So he is going to tempt you to try to find joy in other things. He's going to say, you know, if, if your career would just be advanced, then you'll be happy. You know, you really just need this hobby not once a week, two, three times a week. You just, you just need to go golfing Four days a week or go to the pool, play pool. I don't know what other hobbies y'all have. Knitting, I don't know. Maybe you got, maybe you're a knitter. I don't know. Hobbies are great. These things are great. Career is great. But any of these things, hear me, can become an idol that you can try to replace with the presence of God, but you cannot. That's why there's this crazy story in the Old Testament. This isn't in my sermon, so I'm hoping it's the Lord. There's this crazy story in the Old Testament where this idol named Dagon. Have you guys ever read this story? They put him in the temple, and every morning they came in, he just he just fell over. The next day he'd be missing an arm, the next day he'd be missing a leg. Can you imagine if your God, you had to prop up and he was like broken every time? How many of you guys would just stop? So can we quit? <laughs> can we stop? Really? It's not working. But that's what people do. And if we're honest, that's what we do. And it can be anything. It can, it can be learning about wealth management. That's good that you want to have a place, you know, have retirement for your family. You want to be able to give to your kids and grandkids. That's good. But if it fascinates you more than Jesus, careful, you're in trouble. A lot of people go to these things because they've been become bored with Jesus. Don't become bored with Jesus. Jesus is the most beautiful person. We just sang about it. How many of you guys felt the beauty of Jesus as we worshiped him? Something's ha- something happens when we worship together. I can't wait to preach on that soon, that the, in the midst of you, something happens. I can't describe it. So when Jesus said righteousness, peace, and joy, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Let's talk about that. Righteousness is our inner relationship with God. Everybody put your hand on your heart. Having been forgiven of our sins, how many are so thankful that when you admitted your sins to God, you said, God, I have lust in my heart. God, I lie. I stress the truth. I need you to forgive me. Whatever the sin was, how many are so thankful Jesus forgave you? First John 1 John 1.9 says you confess your sins to God. He is faithful to forgive you, right, to give you his righteousness, so all that he has promised to uphold with his righteous hand all the days of our life, like David, we can grow to a place, hear me, where you delight in the Lord's will. See, a lot of people think the rules or the law of God is harsh. No, my friend, the greater you know Jesus, the more you love holiness. That's why there's a phrase called the beauty of holiness. Holiness. Are, are you gazing on the beauty of holiness, the beauty of Jesus Christ? What about peace? It's the status that we are called upon when dealing with our fellow men and Christian brothers, that as far as it depends on us, that we give people, pe- that we extend peace by giving grace, that we're understanding, that if someone doesn't meet a bar of expectation that we thought, we don't give them a hard time, we give them grace. Why? So that peace is a result. Come on, everybody say Peace. We assume the best of people. Peace. What about this? Joy. Joy is an inner expression of our attitude of contentment. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It's our eternal sufficiency. It's supernatural to have the joy of the Spirit. How many of you guys as Christians, maybe you've been following the Lord for at least three, five years, and so you'll, you'll know when I, what I mean when I say that you went through something difficult, like a hardship, but there was an inner joy that, come on, you couldn't even explain, but you were okay. Right, a joy. Pastor Andrew, when he was writing this with me, he said, you know, it's like the 80s. It's like the 80s Transformers. I'm like, what? He said, that was my favorite toy, the 80s Transformers. More than meets the eye. Wow, that was really cheesy. I'm sorry. Delete that. When we go to edit, delete that. All right. How many of you guys had a Transformer? Anybody? Oh, good. Don't, Don't all act like too cool for school. Raise your hand if you love that thing. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's just, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, it does what? You are like a Transformer. Stay with me. You can be in a meeting at work, right? And you can know something's going on with your friend over here. She's just not herself. And you've got your break, 3 o'clock, the meeting ends. You can transform into something special that she needs. I don't even know the sound of it. I don't remember it. I just remember the song. More than meets the eye. Right? Because see, you're more than meets the eye. Suddenly you, hey, what's going on? I noticed you're not yourself today. Oh man, this is going on at home. Can I just tell you that God knows what's going on in your life and He loves you? And even though this is hard right now, He has a plan for you. And I just want to talk to you about that and maybe pray with you. Can I pray with you? It's like you're going, the person's going, wait, who is she? She's transforming in front of my eyes. I never knew she had faith like that. You see what I'm saying? Transform. Everybody say transform. Prayer is allowing that daily transformation to happen. Allowing that daily transformation. You see, our decisions about everything should be conversations with God. I love this. Andrew wrote this. I love this. Our decisions about everything should be conversations with God. Yes, even the little ones, but I do want to say, especially the big ones. You're feeling like a, a career change or you're feeling like something at work, pray. And I don't mean like right before spaghetti, you know, it's hot and the kids are trying to eat, you know, and it's like, Lord, oh, and help me with my job. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about really taking some time, bowing your head and saying, Holy Spirit, What do you want with my career? And then being quiet and listening, because it's a dialogue. Come on. It's a dialogue. What do you want? It's like Jesus would go off early in the morning and, and go talk to the Father. What do you want today? How do we know we asked him that? Because virtually every time he did a miracle, he would say, I only do what I see my Father telling me to do. Amen? So he's praying all the time, constantly praying. Wow. So again, most of us pray from a position of problems, but we need to pray from a position of promise. Say this with me. Not problems. A position of promise. Raise your hand if you know how loved you are by Father God. Okay? Raise your hand even higher if you think that he has all the money in the world to solve a financial problem you have. Raise your other hand if he's actually even richer than you think. Look at that. You guys look very Pentecostal. (laughs) Every former Catholic's like, oh my, oh, put my hand on. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. It's joking. By the way, the best Christian, the best evangelical Christian is a former Catholic, in my opinion, because they have discipline. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. Pull your toes in. I know some of you guys that hurt. Like, what's discipline? What's the D word he shared today? I've never heard of that. It's actually very good for you, evangelicals. All right. <laughs> I love this. Prayer's primary purpose is not problem removal. This challenged me. I was studying this week for this, and I'm like, man, I love this. It's promise application. This is Pastor Tyler Staden. He says this, Prayer's primary purpose is not problem removal. It's promise application. Everybody say promise application. There are promises in the, in the word of God for your life. Pray them. Pray them out loud. Often when I pray for someone who's sick, I'll say, Father, I thank you that you promised in Isaiah 53 that by your stripes we are healed. So we tell the sickness to go in Jesus' name because we are healed, your word says. You see what I'm doing there? Applying promise in the prayer. Amen? Your scripture says in Deuteronomy 28 that we will be blessed. That we'll be the lender and not the borrower. So if someone's going through a financial hardship, I pray the promises of God out loud into their life. Amen? All right, so what are you talking about, Manna falling from heaven? Turn in your Bibles to Exodus 16. When I opened the sermon and you heard me say that, you might have said, what, what, is, what is that about? Exodus 16, and you could just jot down in your notes, also Numbers 11 and Joshua 5. For the sake of time, we don't have time to read all the passages. I just want to describe it to you. The Israelites have been miraculously delivered from slavery in Egypt. Some of you might know the story. Moses, raised up in Pharaoh's home, escapes Egypt as a young man, right? After seeing the pain of Israelite people, he saw the abuse that they were in. He actually tried to defend somebody and ended up murdering an Egyptian. So he runs into the wilderness. He's in the wilderness for a bunch of years. I'm summarizing a bunch of passages, chapters quickly. And he sees suddenly a burning bush. How many of guys might know the story? He sees a burning bush. God speaks to him, right, and tells him to go. He says, who is telling me this? Who am I going to say is sending me? I am. By the way, oh, that is, I could preach. I am. He always was. Oh, always what? Imagine if a guy knocked on your door. Hi, I'm Joel. What's your name? I am. You are. Should be something after that. I am Bob. <laughs> I am Sarah. Something. No, God is the I am. He always, everybody just do this. Always was. Come on. That that right there is a whole sermon. Anyway, all right. So God always was, and now they're in the wilderness. They escape Egypt. And now they're out there and they're thankful. They're like, okay, good job, Moses. We got out of here. Those those miracles you did back there, that's awesome. But we are hungry. Yes. Yes. They're hungry. I mean, he got a word on that. How many? Yes. How many guys know what I'm talking about to be hungry? Right? Yeah, sometimes we, you know, we're we're hungry. We need to eat. Right? Like every day. And they're hungry. And guess what God does? God drops manna from heaven. Now the house of Israel called this manna. This is Exodus 16, 31. It was coriander seed, white, it was white, and the taste of it was like a wafer but made with honey. And we say, mmm. I know some of you guys read script. You, you heard manna and you think it's like some stale bread. No. It tasted like honey, right? How many of you guys ever have an English muffin with some butter and honey? Oh, that's my jam right there. Oh, no pun intended, no jam, just honey. (laughs) Bad application of that word. All right, this is what the Lord commanded. Let it be an omer kept throughout your generations, a sign that you may see the bread in which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is this? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord commanded. Gather each of you as much as you can eat. You shall take an omer according to the number of persons that you have in your tent. So in other words, just enough for you and your family. Numbers eleven eight says it like this. The people went out, they gathered it in handmills uh, and beat it into mortars. They boiled it in pots. They made cake from it. The taste of it was like honey or an oil. Right? Jo- Joshua 5 says this, The manna ceased the day after they ate the produce of the land, and there was no more manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. I have news for you. When they entered... Man, the Holy Spirit just hit me like a train when I was writing this. Because listen, when they entered Canaan, the land of promise, the manna stopped. Why? Now they were in the land of promise. They're eating the fruit there. If you are going through a hard time that feels like a wilderness, I have two pastor friends right now who are going through a wilderness. How many of you guys have ever been through a wilderness time? You're in between two things, and it's just, come on, it's, it's bad. It stinks. But hear me, the wilderness is where the miracles are. It's in the wilderness that God will teach you about his miraculous, supernatural power to provide that will sustain you the rest of your life. The rest of your life, you will look back and say, you know, oh, I remember when we lost our job and we couldn't get a new job for four months and people dropped off groceries. I remember, you know what I'm talking about, right? I remember when we were down and out and when this happened, but people would show up at the door and people just gave us a check. It just gave us this or that. You can look back and think about the goodness of God. That's why we say thank God for the wilderness season. Because it taught us about the Father's love. It's in the wilderness that you see the miracles. But I, I, will, I would prefer the promised land. <laughs> Come on, anybody. You know, fruit, big old fruit, all kinds of stuff. Here's what I want to say. God's going to take you from miracle to miracle. God wants to take you from miracle to miracle. Courtney, God wants to take you from miracle to miracle, blessing to blessing. Manna from heaven for the Israelites was a picture, hear me, of what Jesus would do for all believers around the world. Jesus would become our bread from heaven, our daily satisfaction. And here's what I know. After being in ministry 18 years, I know this, that in a room this size, There's people that will hear this message today, a 40-minute sermon about Jesus being your daily satisfaction. And some of you will pray and receive it. And your relationship with Jesus will deepen and strengthen. And others of you will go right back to Netflix. Can I talk to you? Here's what I know. Some of you will go right back into Habits. And say, okay, that's good for Sunday. That's good for Jordan. No, it's not just for Jordan, Pastor Mark, for Pam, for Tammy, for Tim, for Farah. It's for you. The presence of God is for you. Don, Ann, the presence of God is for you. The richness of friendship with Jesus is for you.